And then all of a sudden, I just hear this. Turn my mic up. I just hear this. You know what I'm saying? I was like, wow. That but yeah, he got it too. Wow, from glory to glory. But you know what I realized? I realized real quick, yo, that's not the DJ Khaled DJ horn. That's like the, the tsunami warning for the world, letting them know that a wave is coming to the nations. You got to let them know. We got to let them know. We got to let them know. <laughs> They've been warned. God is so good, man. <laughs> Traveling with, uh, with Jeff and Gabriel, we went to San Francisco. It was a pretty wild time. Did you tell them about that? My goodness, man. So we had the opportunity um, to go down to uh, link with Francis Chan and those guys. And um, so we went down, and they're in a real tough spot uh, in, in, in America. They ha I think one of the areas where they minister to has the second highest murder rate, only second to Detroit. And so they've been there for the last three years and kind of have just been hitting a brick wall saying, man, we're out here. We're going door to door faithfully every week. We're making disciples. We're in the word. But we're just like hitting a brick wall. There's no fruit. What's going on? They came to the conclusion like, man, we really need the Holy Spirit. We really need to see what we see in the book of Acts. It's not just you can't meet in a house and have house church and think it's the book of Acts. You know what I'm saying? The book of Acts is really real. And so um, when, when Francis came to Fire and Fragrance, he's like, there's no place like this place. What is this? And I think this is what we need back in San Francisco. We need this Holy Spirit back in San Francisco. So we go there. Um, Jeff and Gabriel are with us. And um, we're <laughs> we don't even know if Francis is there. We're just kind of like hope, hope, like secretly hoping that some of their leaders get baptized in the Holy Spirit or something, you know. And um, we're just there. It's the first day, and we we had meetings beforehand. Like, you know, should we talk? We can't. Okay, don't say baptism in the Holy Spirit. Like, what can we say? What can't we say? And we were gonna make a whole list of things we shouldn't say, just to be wise, because we don't want to blow up this amazing thing that God's trying to knit together, right? So. Anyways, we get there, the first meeting happened, and, and the conclusion was, we just got to be ourselves. Let's just be ourselves, and whatever happens, happens. So first meeting starts, and like, we are literally five minutes into our very first, hi, nice to meet you, let's get started, open up in prayer, and then all of a sudden, we just start getting words and knowledge for like one of their leaders. So two of their top leaders in their room um, start getting words and knowledge from the guy starts freaking out. He's like, are you kidding me? I was just, he opens up his journal and shows us the date. He's like, you just read my journal and starts reading us the date line by line. How did you just read my journal entry? So we're like, all right, ding, ding, ding. And it just kept going, going. Then the other guy, then after a little while, Francis walks in like, oh, I guess he's in town. And he sits down beside uh, his buddy and I, and I hear his buddy lean over and just go, they're prophesying over us right now. And it's crazy. <laughs> so uh, we, can't, we just, at some point, I think Francis just starts like talking about Jesus and just gets on his knees and just starts exalting Jesus. We start praying. That's probably about like 10, 
8.30 in the morning, and we ended, uh, <laughs> we didn't end until 11.30 p.m. at night. The Holy Spirit fell in that room like a tsunami, for real. And somewhere in the midst of that, while he's like texting his friends and his family, like, you guys got to come in here. The presence of God is here. The presence of God is here. And somewhere in the midst of that, one of their leaders was there and had a broken toe. And she's like, I know it's just a broken toe, but so her broken toe ends up getting healed. Right? Francis is tripping out. He's like, yo, this is the first miracle I've ever seen. See how humble these guys are? They see that. They didn't even come back and tell you. They try to be, like, all humble about it. But, man, we just got to let the good news be good news, bro. God's building a bridge between here and San Francisco, second highest murder rate in the nation, and about to bring the Holy Spirit and see that place turned upside down for the gospel. Yo, I said, this isn't a DTS, yo. This is a revival culture right here. But God is so good, man. This last summer, I got to go back home, back to Toronto, visit some of, uh, some of my close brothers that I've been discipling and running with, and just catching up and, and remembering some of the, the things that God has saved us out of. And uh, one, of my, one of my closest friends, he's like a little brother to me. His name is Tyson. Now, he... He came from a broken home, had a younger brother by the name of Terrell. Now, one night they got in a fight, and uh, Tyson is actually do, uh, doing uh, amateur mixed martial arts. That's like UFC fighting, training with pros. And um, he's out. They get, in the, they get in a big fight. He's fighting three guys at one time. All of a sudden, so this is how Tyson initially got saved, right? I'm telling you Tyson's testimony, just recapping on that. Just to show us the power in the name of Jesus. So Tyson doesn't know anything about this. He's getting in the street fight. He's fighting a bunch of guys at one time. All of a sudden, everybody runs away. And then he turns around and he sees his younger brother, Terrell, lying on the ground with two bullet holes in his chest and one in his neck. And now you have to understand that coming from a broken home, Terrell, his younger brother, was the only real family member that he had. There would be some nights they would just go take towels out to the basketball court, play basketball until they were tired enough, put their towels out and sleep outside on the basketball court because they didn't want to go home. So Terrell was the only real close family member that he actually had. And now he's watching Terrell bleed out in front of him. So he goes home and he has somebody in his family that thinks it's a good idea to do a seance to summon Terrell's spirit back from the dead to find out two things. One, who was Terrell's killer? Who pulled the trigger? And number two, where is Terrell's spirit now? So they go in Terrell's room, they light the candles, they start summoning the dead spirit. Now, no one else is in the house but those that are in the room. There's three of them in the room. And then all of a sudden, upstairs in the kitchen, they just hear the banging of a chair, kind of like that. They're like, should we stop? Should we keep going? Okay, no, this is working. Let's keep going. So they keep going. They keep going. They're like, we're not afraid. We're not afraid. Keep coming. Keep coming. Then the banging just gets louder. Finally, as they keep going, the banging gets so loud, slamming upstairs. It's like, 
what have we done? I think we need to stop. We've just opened up a door to something that I don't know if we know what we're dealing with. So they stop right then and there, but it didn't stop right then and there. From that point on, Tyson would be trying to go to sleep, and around 3 o'clock in the morning, he said lights would turn on, stereo would turn on, TV would turn on. They have a military-trained Rottweiler named Boss, about this big, this dog, oh, Lord. This is like a small pony, man. <laughs> Yo, for real. <laughs> one time, one time, Tyson was wrestling with his homie outside in the front lawn, and Boss thought Tyson was in trouble for real, broke the metal chain on his collar and ran and bit the dude. This dog is no joke. Responds to German military commands, okay? As this stuff, <laughs> as this stuff is happening at 3 o'clock in the morning, lights is turning on, stereo turn on, TV turn on, boss comes into the room in attack mode. You know, you guys know animals sense things that humans can't, right? That's why they kept canaries in the caves, because canaries would run out before the mine shaft would collapse. So anyways, boss comes into the room, goes into attack mode, starts baring his teeth, arching his back, looking at a certain point in the wall, and just about to attack something, about to bite something. And then all of a sudden, boss just whimpers, tucks his tail in between his legs, and runs out of the room. Tyson is on track to becoming a pro mixed martial arts fighter. Still to this day, one of the toughest guys I know. Can't, and the lights are on, all this is going on. He can't even get off his bed because of the darkness and the presence in his room. So he knows a little something about, hey, training. He knows a little bit something about, about discipline. So what he starts to do is he just starts to research and discipline in looking for what has the power to get this thing out of my room. So he starts looking into, one of his closest friends at that time was uh, Hindu. So he looks in the Bhagavad Gita, in Hinduism. That doesn't work. So then he looks in Islam, he looks in the Quran, he looks in, in science, in the second law of thermodynamics, and he's applying all his dedication of 12 hours a day of training um, in the physical for MMA, and now he's training it, trying to find what is the meaning of life and the spiritual thing that actually has the authority to get that poltergeist out of his house. But nothing's working. So now he has insomnia. So one night he's just laying awake, flipping through the channels, and all of a sudden it comes on that old school 70s version of the Jesus film. <laughs> and it comes to the part in the Jesus film where Jesus goes up to the man at the Gerasenes, the man living in the tombs, who's possessed by thousands of demons. And Jesus just walks up to the man and just says, go. And the demons leave and the man comes into his right mind. And all of a sudden Tyson says, wait now, who's this guy? So the next time it happens, 3 o'clock in the morning, lights turn on, TV turns on, stereo turns on, boss comes in the room, attack mode, whimpers, runs out of the room. He says, Jesus, the thing leaves and never comes back. <laughs> Jesus! Who's this guy? <laughs> I 
Another one of my homies I was visiting with this summer, we were just remembering his testimony, and I found out. (laughs) Who's this guy? Yo, crazy thing about that, real quick, side note, inside edition. It's not just to get the poltergeist out of your house like a genie in a lamp. The real power, right, in the gospel is Tyson so transforms his life, a bunch of his friends come to know Jesus. (laughs) And he's in the courtroom um, for his brother's murder trial, fast forward several months, and um, he's looking at the guys that killed his brother. Remember, he's been fantasizing before he knew Jesus about how to murder these guys in a way that he could get away with it. Now he knows Jesus. He's looking at the guys that murdered his only real close family member that he's ever had. He's supposed to give a victim impact statement. Victim impact statement is basically you have to rewrite it, you have to write it beforehand and give it to your lawyer. The lawyer approves it so that you don't, you know, go, go off the reservation and just start cussing these people out. So they make you pre-approve it, right? So he's on the stand. He has this victim impact statement. Victim impact statement is like, listen, I have clinical depression. I need medication now. I can't work a steady job. You've completely ruined my life. You've taken everything from me. I wanted to kill myself. I, you know, and, and you just let the judge know how much this impacts you so the murderers get a harder sentence. He, he gets on the stand. He has a victim impact statement. He basically tears it up. He looks at the guys that killed his brother, and he says, listen, I want to forgive you because Jesus Christ has forgiven me of all the dirt that I've ever done. That's the power of this man named Jesus. Wow, I love signs and wonders, but, yo, when I see it, when it really hits the road like that, I was standing outside the courtroom in the, in, the, in the place where the recess happened after. And, you know, you got all the gang members from that side, all the gang members from Terrell's side, and they're pacing back and forth. And I, it was, it was kind of gnarly, but in the middle, the court reporter, just uh, the, the person from the London Free Press, for those of you from Ontario, you know I'm talking about London, Ontario, um, the, the newspaper, they come and they sit down and they say, hey, uh, off the record, can you tell me more about this Jesus guy? Who's this guy? Another, another testimony, one of my boys we were just visiting this summer and kind of going over and forgot some of the details of, of what God has really saved them from, you know. And um, I was reminded as how <laughs> he started coming to church and his mom wasn't really feeling it because she's like, you know, I don't understand. You're spending all your time in church. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. Is this a cult? Are they brainwashing? So she, like, basically forbid him from coming to church. But, you know, he was, he was uh, 18 or 19, so he would come anyways, and she would always mock him for it and he, as he was exploring, you know, and trying to figure out this Jesus thing with his old life. And it was at a call late one night from uh, his mom, and she's like, hey, um, Pastor Christoph, can you come? Um, I'm in the emergency room. My son's tried to kill himself. And so I go there. And um, if, you've, if, if someone's taking heavy doses of poison, what they do is they give you liquid charcoal and they force it down your throat. And the liquid charcoal makes you to vomit. So I go in there and he's handcuffed on either side to the bed and he's got black liquid charcoal all in his mouth, running down, you know, all down his chest. Eyes rolled in the back of his head so you can only see white in his eyes. And then there's another voice talking out of his mouth. And growling and stuff. 
And it's a crazy scene. So I found out just this summer that the reason why he was handcuffed to the bed because the demon that was on him that had him possessed was punching his own mother in the face. So I go up there into this situation. His, his mom's there, you know, nurses are around. Just walk up into this gnarly situation. He's writhing on the bed. The, cha- the um, handcuffs on the other side are like clanking around. And I'm like, I go up to him like, bro, if you're in there and you can hear my voice, Say, Jesus is Lord. Say, Jesus is Lord. All of a sudden, rah, his eyes come back. He calms down for a second. He goes, Jesus is Lord. His mom looks at him, looks at me, looks at him. Look. Say, Jesus is Lord. Say, Jesus is Lord. <laughs> Yo. The nurses are like, say Jesus Lord, say Jesus Lord. They don't want to get punched in the face. Say Jesus Lord. Yo, there is so much power in the name of Jesus. There is so much power. Yo, if if I were to take a, a fork right now and I were to stick it into one of these electrical sockets, how many of you guys know that there is a real power in that? For real, for real. It's not, a, it's not an illustrative power. It's not a metaphorical power. <laughs> it's not a simile. <laughs> Yo, there is a real physical power in that. There is power for real in the name of Jesus. Mm. <laughs> Who's this guy? <laughs> What's the difference between power and authority? Powers of positions and anointing is the authority of God. I like that. That's good. There's more there, though. There's a t- Oh, I'm. Oh, man. Bible scholar, bro. Oh, I love it. I love it. There's so much, there's so much more there. I'm going to let you, you got some? Wait, wait, just put your hand up if you think is, or are they the same? Power and authority is the same thing. Put your hand up if you got something for me. One, two. Okay, three, four. Okay. That's not enough hands. I'm going to let you guys think about that a little bit longer. You know, sometimes sometimes I think it's important that we don't just get, like, spoon-fed all the time, but just get provoked to go back to the Word and wrestle a little bit. <laughs> wrestle on that. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll call you out tomorrow. Come on, Jesus. Man, for me, I know before I met Jesus, I was so... I was so jacked up. I was so lost. I remember being so depressed that I didn't even want to turn on the lights in whatever room I was in. Didn't even want to look in the mirror because I didn't want to look at my own face. Didn't want to catch my own reflection. Just to give you a picture of what God saved me out of, one of my closest friends ended up getting his throat slit. One of my friends ended up doing time in jail for murder. One of my friends, um, his lung literally exploded. 
from smoking so much weed. Um, one of my one of my uh, big brothers did time in jail for selling a lot of cocaine and a lot of guns. For those that are from Toronto area, you can look it up. Project Triple X um, was one, one of the largest sting operations in Toronto's history. So God saved me out of this. Now, at the time when God when God got a hold of me, very similar to Sonal, there's there's power in, there's power in a praying mom. But I didn't grow up going to church. Um, my mom got saved a little while. Uh, I forget how old I was, probably in fifth or sixth grade. And she's, she would try to bribe me, you know, to come to church by a Burger King. Like, well, I'll give you Burger King. <laughs> now, I remember, I remember lifting up my hand the, the time I went to Sunday school and I saw Jesus on the wall. You know, he had like, uh, Sonno knows about the picture I'm talking about where he looked like he's from Sweden. Sonno said he had blow-dried hair. He got the thin lips and he's fair skin, and I'm like, you no, know, the blue eyes and stuff. I'm like, you know, little little virgin Kristoff with the big afro. I put up my hand. I'm like, Miss Miss Sunday School teacher, I got a question. He said, yes, yes, little Kristoff. And I said, um, isn't Jesus from the Middle East? She's like, yeah. I'm like, then why does he look like he's from Sweden? And then she said, you know what? No more questions from you. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went, I went home, you know, I got my Burger King, but I, I, at that moment, I basically knew what time it was, and I thought, well, it's pretty much just like Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy, right? Because I remember when, when I asked my parents about Santa Claus, and I said, Mom and Dad, little kid Kristoff, Mom and Dad, hey, how does Santa Claus come down and give us presents? Because we don't have a chimney. How does he get into our house? Like, yeah, you know what? No more questions. Okay, just go to bed. Or the Tooth Fairy. She's so little. How does she carry around all those teeth? <laughs> no more questions, man. Just put your tooth under your pillow and go to sleep. No more questions. <laughs> Until I got a little bit older. <laughs> and I started to realize, I, I kind of I stumbled upon this fact. I was like, Man, in Matthew 7, we're actually commanded. He says, ask, seek, knock. We're actually commanded to ask questions. Because if he really is real and his power really is real, then he's not intimidated by my questions. Right? So I remember I was like, okay, so I started asking questions. And the first question was, well, whoever you are that engineered me, then you must be able to communicate to me. So who are you? And I started, I got three cinematic dreams. So from that point, I remember I woke up, I said, all right, I got to move. I got to leave the city that I'm, I'm in. And my, my little auntie, you know, she just challenged me. She's like, don't you know who's living inside of you now? He who is in you is greater than he who's in the world. I'm like, you don't know my friends. You don't know the circle. It's like, James 4, 4, friend of the world is an enemy of God. I'm like, oh, Okay. All right, so I ended up going back home and um, meeting Holy Spirit changed everything. That was the definitive moment. Remember, felt like it was like a 100-foot tsunami wave just landed on me, speaking another language. I thought it was African. I didn't know what was happening to me. But I've never... (laughs) People judge, you know, people judge. I I came out of a real situation in Toronto, you know, where, where... 
we would go every night of the week. Church was open. I don't know. You guys might have heard about it. But we would just go regularly. That's what I knew. I was spiritually born into that environment. It put some, uh, a couple quarters ago, someone said, oh, you were part of the Toronto Blessing. I've, I've heard about that. Uh, that's where Heidi Baker came out of, got activated, Bill Johnson, those guys. He's like, tell me about that. I've heard about that. You know, every night until, like, all wee hours of the morning, just what was going on. And I was like, the only way to describe it was, like, it was literally like being in heaven, but physically. And um, people can judge that. But, yo, how are you going to judge somebody that's basically sticking a fork in an electrical socket? How they react. Everybody's going to respond differently. But there's real power in Jesus, right? It's not a metaphorical power. So as this is happening, I'm spiritually born into this environment. And um, my life was completely different from that moment. Now, people can judge that from the outside and say, well, I don't understand. Why are their body twitching around like that? Well, dude, all I know is I was addicted to pornography, and I haven't looked at pornography in 15 years. That's all I know. That's all I know. Is that all of a sudden I was so in love with Jesus from that moment. I went from knowing about him to falling in love with him that that other sin that I used to be a slave to all of a sudden looked like dog food to me and disgusting completely changed my appetites to where I would be nauseated even looking at that sin that I used to long and lust for. And I would literally get tenacious. You know when that little spit comes underneath your tongue when you're about to puke? <laughs> there is a real physical power in the name of Jesus, man. <laughs> a little while after that, a little while after that, I get a... <laughs> I get a couple phone calls, probably about three months into it, and it was super lonely. It was super lonely. Let, let, let's not play games, man. For the first, I mean, all I really had was Jesus and the Word, and so I would just cling to the Word and read the Word night after night, but super lonely. I didn't know what it was like not to do something on Friday and Saturday night. Like, what do I do? I'm at home with my parents. They're watching Star Trek. I feel like a nerd. What's going on? <laughs> all I have is my Bible and Jesus, man. <laughs> That's all I had to cling to those three months. And I just, but at the same time, it was the most satisfying. It was the most fulfilled I'd ever been in my whole life. And about three months into it, I get a call from one of my closest homies. He's like a big brother to me. And he's, uh, he's, he's looking at 18 charges in penitentiary time. And he's like, bro, I want you to show me this Jesus that's changed your life. <laughs> so sometimes he'd be up to like 3 o'clock in the morning Saturday night at the club or whatever but he'd be waiting for me at like you know 9 at his porch to get picked up on Sunday for church and so he started coming about 3 weeks into it he gave his life to the Lord he gave his life to the Lord this is like oh my goodness let me, let me explain to you what's happening right now some of you guys are going to go back home and you need to know that the, that the power that we're talking about right now, the power that we're talking about this week, the power that's in the name of Jesus is for not just for this. I remember someone looked at me one time and they said, they said after DTS, after outreach, they're like, man, how was, how was your DTS? Was it good? Did you have a good DTS? And I'm like, bro, talk to me in five years. I'll let you know if I had a good DTS or not. <laughs> <laughs> Real power, man. So, yo, Jeff Smith is now being a missionary in the Philippines for over 10 years, planting churches over Southeast Asia, helping rescue people out of human trafficking. 
our, our, our hometown did a, did a front page article on him a couple years ago, basically saying like from gangster to like gospel minister or something like that. The day that Smith got saved, that morning that Smith got saved, um, uh, I, I went to church in the evening service, and there was like a whole row filled with all my friends. And uh, a bunch of my other friends gave their lives to the Lord that night. And now, my other, some of my other friends, he has um, a construction company, and he uses the construction company to support our boy who's in the Philippines doing missions work. And he's used the money from that construction company to send dozens of people to do DTSs. And as Jeff was alluding to, we went back into, you know, that area. God called me back after my DTS. I thought, man, you know what? I got called to the missions. I, I got to go to the nations. The Lord called me back there. And we just saw God do wild things. One of the biggest drug dealers um, ended up getting saved from our city. He was making over $120,000 like a week sometimes. Yeah. One dude got saved. Put, and, and we uh, filmed this testimony of him burning $3,000 worth of his drugs. And, and his supplier saw that on Facebook. And so a little while later, a couple months later, I got this long inbox message on my Facebook. And he's like living in Dubai, this guy. And he's like, how can I become a disciple of Jesus Christ? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Man, God is so good. Hallelujah. Oh, man. So I came out here after being, I was back in my hometown for about seven years, and we accidentally saw um, it start to spread to other cities. Um, it was pretty wild. Really didn't know what we were doing. Churches are calling us and being like, are you guys a church? Are you guys a ministry? What's going on? Why do you have all these young people leading out, seeing all this crazy stuff? We're like, we don't know, but we just had the fear of God on it. If the Holy Spirit's doing it, I don't want to name it. I don't want to call it anything, and I don't want to stop it. So, but at the same time, I knew I was still getting pulled to the nations. And once I realized that our guys that we had discipled were strong enough to run it and carry it, I wasn't even, you know, in the mix. I could just show up at the back of meetings, and it was all the guys that we were discipling that was really running with it. So I uh, feel called to come back out here. So I came to Kona last year. Was it last year? Last January, I believe. And um, I did this course here called Word by Heart where you memorize the book of Luke. Or 90 minutes of the book of Luke. And this has been a dream of mine since, like, I first got saved when I'd be reading about those Chinese guys in church. And every time they do a prison sentence when they would get caught, they would memorize another book of the Bible. When I first got saved, I was like, that is amazing. I didn't know that that was humanly possible. So then I, it was my sabbatical after seven years of ministry. And I thought, man, there's nothing I would rather do than come and re-up here and just memorize the book of Luke. So as I'm sitting there, I was in the building G right here behind the Ohana Court. It's just like memorizing uh, the book of Luke. It's just the words of Jesus, man, like running through me. And some nights I would be like twitching, like 10,000 volts of electricity going through me. And I'm just like, ah, because the words of Jesus are just like coursing through my heart, coursing through my spirit. My poor wife, man, she'd be like elbowing me like, come on, I'm trying to go to sleep. I'm like, I can't help it. What do you want me to do? The words of Jesus is like, they're alive. They're alive. <laughs> Jeff, what have you done, bro? <laughs> I 
God is so good, man. I remember, like, waking up and just, like, waking myself up just, like, with uh, words coming out of my mouth. Like, waking myself up by words coming out. So at that time, got hijacked, felt called to come back, link up. Fire and Fra- I've been a fan of Fire and Fragrance all those years when we were back home doing what we were doing, using all Fire and Fragrance material to see the discipleship movement that we were seeing, Freedom Manual, all that stuff. Um, so I was just, I've just been a fan from a distance. And then to be able to come back out here and link back up, it's been a dream. Now, this is the crazy thing, though, because um, basically the last, the last three years before 2016, just focused solely on winning the loss. And probably in those three years alone, got to see over, uh, got to preach the gospel to over 120,000 people face-to-face with the gospel. Saw over like 20,000 salvations, man. Saw wild things. And I was just like... I, and I knew that um, this was what the Lord had called me to. This is what, you know, been fasting for ever since I first got saved. These were the, the visions. These were the dreams that I was having since I first knew Jesus. And now all of a sudden walking into the fruition of what I knew was like the, the sweet spot, like the barrel of the wave of God's destiny, you know. And so I'm in that pocket. And then when God called me out here, I was confused. I was confused, man. I was like, wait, wait a second. So I'm out, like, at the cafeteria, and I'm, like, trying to share. I'm like, yeah, so let me tell you about this guy, Jesus. They're like, yeah, man, I'm here. I'm in DTS. What are you talking about? Like, I sold all my possessions so I could come and be here at this school for Jesus and go to the nations. I'm like, man, everybody around me is already saved. Why am I here? (laughs) This makes no sense. I'm like, you? You you are also saved saved okay wow and it was challenging it was it was uh it was hard man because I left everything you know I got I got kids got a wife got a mortgage and now, now I'm in the same boat as you guys are you know what I mean like trusting God for finances okay God you have to show up but Lord if you told me to come out here then it's worth it and even still man there's times where I struggle so like yesterday that was, I don't even know what happened at the end of class. All of a sudden, I was tracking with Sun-O. I've heard this testimony a bunch of times, but I still, I love it. I love hearing it. And, but then just something happened, and I got hijacked by the Holy Spirit. You guys know what a dangerous prayer is, right? Man, it's a dangerous prayer to ask God, let me feel what you feel for the lost. It's a dangerous prayer to say, God, break me. God, let me feel what you feel for the lost. So I didn't know, praying for a couple people, sat down, and I'm just like, yes, God, give me your heart for the loss again. <laughs> Yo. Man, I kid you not, man. I started, uh, basically just had it. Sorry, guys, I don't normally talk about personal encounters like this publicly, but I really felt from the Lord I'm supposed to just share this. When Sunday and I were praying uh, last night. So I'm sitting there saying, God, give me your heart for the loss. And I start to see a picture um, of people actually burning. And I start to see faces of people that, that as even interceding and praying and weeping, crying out. It's like I could see me pulling them out of the fire as they're reaching up like, help! And some of the faces I recognize, some of the faces I recognize of, of 
people that are very close to me back home. As I'm sitting there and I'm seeing this image, I'm like, God, again, why did you bring me here? They don't need another speaker. They have a new speaker way better than me that is doing way more for you in the kingdom of God that comes in every week. They have a new one. You don't need another speaker. But we need people that are going to go out and reach those that are burning and crying out. Romans 10, how will they believe unless somebody tells them? The harvest is ripe. The laborers are few. And I'm watching these people and images of faces that I know and saying, God, why did you send me here? This is such a waste. I could have still kept doing campaign evangelism from my home and just flying out like I've always done. And then all of a sudden the image zoomed out. And as the image zoomed out, I started to see that I wasn't pulling people out of the fire alone, but that we were doing it together. And way more people were getting rescued because of that. So the Lord sent me here, not to just, and subtle, not to just be another good speaker, but because we are really believing for a multiplication of laborers for the harvest. As I was seeing the vision, I was just, oh, these images kept coming back to me. It's so different being here for me in Kona. It's very different for me. A lot of my friends here, they're used to being a part of weddings because there's so many young, on-fire, single people that are meeting, you know, their, their spouse, and it's beautiful, and they've, they've done weddings and officiated weddings and different things. Man, I haven't officiated and been to a lot of amazing weddings, but I tell you, man, I've been to a lot of funerals. I don't know how many funerals you've been to, man. People under the age of 25. And I just started getting that image as I was sitting there and just looking at the faces of the dead bodies with no more breath in their lungs. The finality, the finality of death. Man, as long as there's breath in their lungs, there's still hope, but there is a finality. Of that moment, if you've ever seen that, if you've ever looked at a corpse, it's just the husk. It's just the earth suit. The real them is not there. Where's their spirit? And you're forced to wrestle with that. I was thinking about my, his son was talking about Ezra, his son, my nephew. And that moment that he must have felt in Target when he's rushing around looking for him. Where is he? Where is he? What has happened to him? But now we're in a place where it's not just that age of innocence lost and playing hide-and-go-seek in the clothes rack. But the age of accountability where people are born separated from God. Lost. The search and rescue team is few, but those crying out are many. God did not send me and Sunno here. We weren't even supposed to. I have no, God hijacked our lives in our other ministries that we were fully content and had 10-year plans for to bring us here. We are not here to be just another speaker. Yo, we are here as spiritual arms dealers. 
to equip you for the task that is at hand. I believe that there is going to be an equipping this week. There is going to be an equipping today. There is going to be an impartation in the activation for the power to demonstrate the gospel. Because the gospel is not about fanciful speech, but about the demonstration of the Spirit's power in love. He loves his children so much. Like that target illustration, he's looking. He loves them so much that the extension of his power is an extension of his love. I love you so much. I got to step in. This is not power for the gifted. This is not power for the specially anointed in the womb. This is Mark 16, 15. Preach the gospel and these signs will accompany you who preach. This is for everybody. You guys got your Bibles? You guys ready for a couple, couple weapons real quick? Just write these down. Even write down the verse references because we're going to go quick. Romans 15, 19 through 20. Check this out. By the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God, so from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel as Christ was not known. So that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. How crazy is that? The first line there. So he says that I have fully preached the gospel. He says, by the power of signs and wonders. Through the power of the Spirit of God, I have fully proclaimed the gospel. There's something about the love of the Father that has to be demonstrated in the fullness of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 4.20, we just went over that uh, John 10, 38, when Jesus is saying, he's like, if you don't believe me, believe the works that I sent. If you, uh, also, 14, 11, if you don't believe me, believe my works. Now, this is something crazy. I didn't know this. But uh, a friend of mine who's a Messianic rabbi, he said, uh, he said there was oral tradition. There was oral tradition about the Messiah. That the Messiah, because people, you know, people were coming, there's all these false messiahs. We still have them to this day walking around claiming to be God in the earth suit, claiming to be God incarnate, right? So the oral tradition was amongst the rabbis that the Messiah would need to be so blatantly obvious that he himself would not need to say, yeah, I'm the Messiah. I'm God in the earth suit. There should be so much evidence. I used to have this homie uh, from uh, Miami, and whenever we used to do bad stuff, he'd be like, man, clean up the evidence, clean up the evidence. Evidence, 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 people. <laughs> Everybody say evidence. 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 Whenever you do something, there should be evidence, right? There's going to be evidence. You've seen CSI, they find like a hair follicle, and they know what happened. They tell you the whole story. Whenever somebody goes in a the room, there's going to be evidence. Now, there should be so much evidence that he's the Messiah that this Messiah wouldn't himself need to say, I'm the Messiah. The evidence will speak for itself. That's what he's saying in John 20. He said, don't believe me. Don't believe me. Believe the works. That's why when John was in prison and he came, that's what's actually happening. He's asking, man, I'm about to be martyred for this thing. Just tell me. And, he, and what, is, what does he tell him? He doesn't say, yes, I am the Messiah. He's like, boom. The blind are being healed, receiving their sight. The lame are walking. Boom, boom, boom. Look at the evidence. 
And even at the end, right, when he's being confronted in his trial at, at Luke, in Luke, they say, tell us plainly, are you the Messiah? And he says, you have said it. There should be so much evidence that he is God that people will have to proclaim, well, he's, this has to be God. Who's this guy? Nothing else is working. But it should speak for itself. But it's an extension of his love. I feel like yesterday we were kind of in the throne room a little bit, like looking at the heart of the Father, getting God's heart for the lost. And now it's like, okay, and I think for the last, I don't know how many months you guys have been going hard and getting personal inner healing and learning your identity, the Father heart of God, these different things. But now it's time we start looking at the trenches. We have to, as we look at his face, as we look at who he is on the throne, we are thrust out with him in what he's doing as a very extension of his love. Um, you guys want to hear a spoken word? My, this, is, this is for my boy, Jonathan Brown. Get up for Jonathan Brown at the back. He just walked in. OG. This is an OG. Ugh. You guys want to hear a spoken word? Yeah. <clears throat> All right, this is from, um, this is basically from when I, did, when, I, when I was memorizing the sermon on the plane in Luke and just kind of flipped it around and, and uh, this is a Christoph version. You heard of the New Living Translation. <laughs> God bless those who are poor for sure. There's more. The kingdom's yours. Yes, the blessings of his name pour down on you like rain if you got hunger pain. Yes, you'll be satisfied, just like manna from the sky. The son of man is from the sky. Also, too, God bless you who cry. Yes, you'll be comforted. He'll protect you from that sorrow, oh, that blunted edge. Underground like a pipeline. Prayer is a lifeline. Yeah, because this lifetime is really just a prelude. So God bless you when people X out and exclude and curse you as evil because you follow Jesus. Yeah, the master takes the broken pieces, turns them into masterpieces. That's the master's master's thesis. Decreases, he increases. But wait, feel the weight for the sorrow awaits of those who are rich and proud. Your only happiness is now. Wow. Wait, feel the weight of the sorrow awaits of those who are full on that cake. How does it taste? Like eating fruit from a snake. Wait, feel the weight of the sorrow that awaits of those who laugh and disrespect and neglect to invest in reflection eternal. Get sprayed like a mural. The delusion of grandeur is a cancer, and on inspection, it's terminal. Wait, feel the weight of the horrific disaster that awaits when all men speak well of you because your preaching's watered down. Wait, feel the weight of the sorrow that awaits when all men speak well of you. It's like that book of Jeremiah, boy, deja vu. It's a sign. You got co-opted by design, and the flame inside just turns microscopic because that's how their ancestors welcomed the false prophets. So, yeah, as we preach the full gospel, we're going to have some enemies. I just found out last night that my boy, my, my, our, our friend uh, Doe, who's in this class, was actually even in prison for the gospel. This is real. This is reality that we face when we're preaching the full gospel. 
So yeah, I got enemies, got a lot of enemies everywhere I go. They try to rob me of this energy. I got enemies, got a lot of enemies everywhere I go. They try to eat up my soul. Whoa. I got enemies, got a lot of enemies. They know not what they do. Father, forgive all my enemies. I got enemies, got a lot of enemies, not against the flesh and blood, bind up the entities. So yeah, I got victory, got a lot of victory, covered in the fire so the darts can't get to me. Yeah, I got victory, got a lot of victory, covered in the blood so the curse can't stick to me. Yo, there's so much power in the name of Jesus because of what he paid for us on the cross. There's so much power in the blood. The word for atonement in the Greek is katalage. It doesn't mean he just wiped it away. It means that there was a full exchange. That means everything that was in me, all of that dirt, he fully took. But it means that everything that was in him, I now inherit. A full exchange. Yes, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But also, everything that's in him, he said, greater works than these you will do. It's part of the cross. It's just part of your birthright. It's part of our inheritance. It's not something that we have to muster up. It's already there. It's already been bought and paid for, paid for in full. Just an extension of his love. Yo, he's not Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy. We aren't Mormons going around with this thing with no power. This God is real. The power is real for real. Because his love is real for real. Man, there's so much power in the blood. I remember um, my, my boy uh, from Jamaica was telling me this testimony. He said he, uh, in his church that all of a sudden at the back, this guy starts like manifesting a demon. And he comes out and he's like, starts yelling at the pastor in another voice, growling, I'm going to kill you. Can I do this in Jamaican? Because this testimony only really makes sense with a Jamaican accent. So he starts coming at him, right, from the back of the church. The man is up here trying to preach the word of God, right? He's trying to do what we need to do on a Sunday. And all of a sudden, the guy at the back is like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut off your head. Coming at him, tripping. So he's like, I don't care. You can cast me out. I'm going to go into another body. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. So then the pastor looks at him, right? You're thinking, man, what are you going to do? All of a sudden, the pastor looks at him. He's like, you want to come to me? You want to come to me? Come. Come. You want to come to me? Come. Come. This guy's coming down the middle of the aisle. Imagine at the Ohana court. This is going on Thursday night, right? <laughs> you want to come to me? Come. Come. Because if you want to come to me, you want to come to me, you got to come through the fire. If you come through the fire, you got to come through the rain. <laughs> and if you make it through the rain, you got to come through the blood. And if you come through the blood, then you're going to get saved. Come! <laughs> so that demon-possessed guy ends up coming to the front and getting set free. Right there on the spot. <laughs> Yo, we got that video ready to go. I want to show you guys a video real quick. Because we don't want to just talk about it. We got to be about it. 
So in this video you're about to see, uh, Sano and I are in India. <clears throat> Unfortunately, we, uh, we did get kicked out of India. Um, it's mainly because mainly Sano is such, such a fiery man of God. We saw over 20,000 people saved in two years, though. Praise God. Worth it. Worth it. Yo, I got enemies, bro. <laughs> but that's why we're raising up Jeff and Gabriel, right? Because they got to go back and finish what we started over there in India. So anyways, we're, we're over there in India. I'm, I'm for real about that. You guys know. So we're over there. This guy's a businessman that uh, is one of our supporters. You know, he helps fund the mission. And he's like, man, I'm sick of just being in my little Bible studies and reading about the stuff in the book of Acts. Right? I guess similar to where Francis guys were at, at this time. But he's like, man, I'm going to do whatever it takes, whatever it costs. I want to go there. I want to be in the trenches and see the book of Acts and not just read about it anymore. He comes with us on the trip. And uh, we're there, and he pretty much seen everything. Man, I've seen blind eyes open, dude, I've, I, like since this trip. It's been an amazing week. I've seen crippled people walk. This has been incredible. He's like, the only thing I haven't seen is, um, is a deliverance. I said, okay, we'll see what, what God has. And then so this night, uh, <laughs> we're there. <laughs> um, and and well, what, what's interesting real quick on the backstory though, is that Dallas was already tripped out about coming on this trip. Because his last time he went on a mission, he was paralyzed by fear, right? He was in like Darfur where there was like AK gunfire in the place where he was staying, and it was pretty bad. So, and you know, there's cockroaches and stuff in our room. It's pretty gnarly. Our sheets are yellow, whatever. Living the mission life, right, for the gospel. Come on, man. But so he's tripping, paralyzed by fear, and Sunno's like, you know, Sunno's a spiritual arms dealer. He used to be an arms dealer for Satan. Now he's an arms dealer for the kingdom of God. So he's like, he's like, he's like, hey, I got something for you. He hands him like a bunch of verses about his identity in Christ. And he says, yo, just read this when you wake up and read it before you go to bed. And so I was Dallas's roommate, and he was sure enough, he'd be like lying in bed. He'd be like, yo, the light is shone in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. And he'd be like, wake up. Yo, the light is shone in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it, that I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. But, and he's just like going off, you know. And so by the time that this moment came, that's you have to understand the, the backstory, the inside edition. He goes to pray for this lady. As he goes to put his hand on her head, she goes like, shoots back about like 20 feet. She's like, so the hand, you'll see, I just got to explain the video. So she goes to put his hand on her head. She's going back, trying to put on her little scarf on the top. Then uh, he's like looking at me. I realize like, man, something's going on. And, uh, and then the rest kind of speaks for itself. But I'll try to point out the lady in the video. I know that's going to happen. Got to crank it, man. She's pretty thirsty. She's pretty thirsty. I had to cut out because she drank so much water. I had to edit it out. It was just. <laughs> but internally, it was like a fight. So we're praying for her to get filled up with the Holy Spirit. Ask her what she feels now. Praise the Lord. Man. Yo, 13 years. Yo, are you still on that same site? That same uh, website? Or is it, is it up here? Oh, okay. How's the Wi-Fi in here? It's hit and miss? I get a hotspot? Oh, okay. Yo, there's the other one of the deaf, the deaf ear. I want to show them the deaf ear getting, getting opened. 
Why do we have this impression that somehow when we're preaching the gospel that we're, we're somehow like being awkward or annoying people? Yo, she's being tortured for 13 years. She's not like staying at the, she's not uh, uh, locked up in, in a room somewhere like lost, like, like at Target in, in the clothes rack, dog. She's in a dungeon. Being, her soul is being like afflicted. Who will go? It's not, it's not really a matter. That's what I love so much, like how, how God shows somebody like me and Sano. He chose the most, like, unqualified, regular, random dudes <clears throat> just so that people have to know that that really is just Jesus. If you guys want to know, yo, the secret to this whole thing, unlocking power and sharing the gospel, the sooner we get to the end of ourselves, that's when you're going to get activated. The sooner that you realize that you can do nothing in and of yourself. That's why fasting is so powerful. Fasting is just a fast track to be like, let me get to the weakest that I possibly can be. So that his power actually has to come through. So that he is my, my sustenance. He's my only sustenance. <laughs> so the sooner that we can just come to a realization that it actually has nothing to do with us or our giftings and has everything to do with the one who's fully alive inside of us. You are going to find yourself in places where you literally, okay, this is another one. You guys ready for another one? This is like a grenade. This is like an RPG. You guys ready for this one? Here's an RPG for you. Take it. <laughs> Take it. Just receive. You're going to find yourselves not only on outreach but in life where you literally need to call it forth, even though it's not as though it were, okay? So you're neat. it's a proclamation of the truth and the reality of heaven. Mark 16, 15, preach the gospel to all creation and these signs will accompany you. There's times where I've gotten up and I'm like, man, there's a bunch of people in front of me. I'm like, Jesus is alive. Blind eyes are going to be open tonight. I'm just like going for it. I don't even know, right? Like first time, I hadn't even seen a blind eye open yet. And I was just like, Jesus is alive. He's not in the grave. Blind eyes are going to be open tonight. Bring your crippled people. Go get them. They're going to be healed. Da, da, da. And I'm like preaching this in the whole time in the back of my mind. I'm like, God, please, Jesus, show up, man. I don't want these people to cut off my head. But, yo, if they got to cut off my head, I'm ready to go. But please, Lord. Blind eyes are going to be open tonight. Crippled people are going to walk because he's not in the grave. He's not asleep somewhere in Jerusalem with his body, with his, his earth suit. Yo, he's alive. And sure enough, why? Because it accompanies the preaching of the gospel. It accompanies the preaching of the gospel. It's the fullness, actually, of the gospel, the extension of his love. Check this one out. Praise God, man. Jesus. Praise God, man. Right, open your Bibles to Matthew 16. We're going to close with this. My kids were going around the house after I was done with that video for like two months. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> but yo, though, that, that, that lady who was tormented for 13 years and set free, if you go, if you go back and see that video... We, I, I, we must have watched it like me and Sonna went back to the, we, and all of us, Dallas, we went back to the room on the little, we got the GoPro set up to the, to the monitor, and we were watching, we rewound it like 30 times. That part where she comes at him like this, and she tries to scratch out his eyeballs, and we just kept like rewinding it and like pausing it and being like, dang, Jesus, we love you. You're so powerful, God. You, <laughs> thank you. Not the face. Not the face, Lord. <laughs> Yo, you can't question your identity in Christ at that moment. You better be locked and loaded, somebody. 
You better know who you are. Oh, uh, messengersunited.com. Videos. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Trying to scratch out my man's eyeballs, man. Those, man. But that moment at the end, though, that moment at the end when she's just smiling and she's giving that side hug, yo, for real, I was like, man, I'm going to screenshot that and make it my, home, my, my little wallpaper. But then I realized, man, my wife is my wallpaper. They, like, I can't change. You know what I mean? Well, she's just, it's just too beautiful. You just can't. You know what I mean? Like, as amazing as, amazing as that smile, I was like, man, I'm going to put that. That's going to be like my, my, my screen on my Facebook page. Just that smile because it was just so, like, pure to see what Jesus does when he touches someone's life, you know? Matthew 16, 13 through 20. So this is a crucial part. So Jesus is in, the, is in the region of Caesarea Philippi. Only his disciples are with him. He goes to pray, and he turns to his disciples, and he asks them, who do people say that I am? They say some, that, some say that you are Jeremiah. Some say that you're Elijah. Some say that you're John the Baptist. Others say that you're one of the ancient prophets risen from the dead. Then he turns to them, and he says, well, who do you say that I am? Then Peter replies and says, you are the Messiah, the one sent from God. Jesus replies, yes, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. Only my Father in heaven could have revealed this unto you. And I tell you that you are Simon, but on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I give you the keys and the authority of heaven. So, circle that part in your Bible that says Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi. That's a clue. Because so often when I was, you know, remember I would get bribed uh, with Burger King to go to church. And I would go. And, you know, I, I could hear this message being preached. Even after I first got saved, man, several years, I would hear this message preached like thousands of times. This is like everybody's favorite verse to preach on. And I, as I understood it, it was like, man, he's going to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So I was picturing in, in my mind, like, what is his church, what is Jesus' church that he's building going to look like? And in my, in my imagination, I saw the best castle with the best moat and the best jawbridge. And this castle is impenetrable. You know, the big bad wolf of the enemy, he can't huff and puff and blow himself and, and, and get in there, right? And we're on the inside. We're, we got our little lights and we're shining. And you know that song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Not let Satan blow it down. Don't make me sing the whole song. Please join me. Not let Satan blow it down. I'm going to let it shine, right? And you got the whole motions and you're cupping your hand, right? And so we're inside. On all our little lights together, we form a really big, you know, kind of light, and we're on the inside. And, man, the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against this. The enemy cannot get in. Jesus is just too powerful. Well, check this out. One of the clues is the geographical region here in the region of Caesarea Philippi. How many of you guys uh, have been to the volcano since you've been on the Big Island? Been to the volcano? Okay, there is nothing to see in that area other than the volcano. It is wet. It is rainy. My family was visiting last week. They're like, we're going to the volcano. I'm like, cool, I'll see you on Monday. <laughs> I've been there once. I don't need to go there again. If you, there's certain regions that are known for certain things. Like I live an hour near Niagara Falls. If you're going to that area, you're guaranteed going to see the falls, right? Re certain regions are known for certain things. 
Now, the region of Caesarea Philippi at that time, in the, in the ancient time when Alexander the, uh, Alexander the Great first came to that region, <clears throat> he saw a spring of water <clears throat> that was coming up. And he said, wow, this is very auspicious. No one dug this well. It's just uh, coming up from the ground. And he said, wow, this is where the underworld, this, the spiritual realm, meets our physical realm. And he called it the gates of Hades or the gates of hell. So it's actually a physical place, okay? And it's in this giant grotto. So it has giant rocks, escarpment coming down, and then the water's at the, in, in the middle. Um, so it's called the grotto. And they called it, uh, Alexander the Great called it the grotto of Pan. Pan is an ancient demon, has the head of a goat with horns. So when you see the picture of the devil to this day with horns, it comes back from, from Pan, okay? Now, they would do animal sacrifices to demons there, trusting that if the water, the whirlpool sucked down the blood, then, the, then Pan and the, the demons were satisfied, they were appeased, and their crops wouldn't get ruined, and they wouldn't get sick, and they could move on. When the Romans came to that region, they agreed. They said, yes, this is the VIP center for all of our gods that we worship. We know from Corinthians, he who sacrifices to an idol sacrifices to a demon. So they put Zeus and they put the, their Roman gods in the little nooks and crannies in the side of the cliffs, in the side of the rocks that are in the grotto. So this is what's crazy. When I understood this, when I understood the historical context of the region of Caesarea Philippi, it changed everything for me. It unlocked the whole meaning. Because all of a sudden, Jesus went basically was saying to the OG DTS, the O-O-O-G DTS. And he's like, are you guys ready for outreach? We going on outreach, but we not, we're not just created to just be in lecture phase for the rest of our lives. That's not how this thing is designed. We going on outreach. We going, guess where we going, class? Caesarea Philippi. Woo, we going to the hardest, darkest place on the planet. We are going to the place, the region that's known as the VIP center for demonic activity and worship. Let's go! <laughs> but that's how it is. Because light was created to shine in the darkness. So they go there, and all of a sudden now he's in, the, he's in this place. Now, all of a sudden when I started to unpack this, things started to change. You know, things started to change because my, that, that little image that I had maybe, like, messed me up from my childhood when I, when I was going to that church. And, and forgive me, if you're a part of children's ministry and you use this in, in your curriculum, hear my heart, okay? Hear my heart. I love you. But I had that little, like, cartoon handout of Jesus you know, and it had like Jesus, <laughs> sorry, yo, this is my message for this season. I got to preach this wherever I go to break this paradigm. I got to break it, bro. So this version of Jesus, maybe you saw it, it was a little like, you know, you color on it. And it had Jesus and he's standing there and he's got like, um, <laughs> he's got like the clouds are there and the flowers and he's a cartoon and he's got like birds landing on him and he's got like squirrels coming and like eating out of his hand or something. Without his feet. And I remember thinking to myself, like, man, what kind of Jesus is this? In my little kid mind, I'm like, man, what is his power? What is his power? Like, tell me. You know, I got Wolverine over here. What's this guy's power? He's got the power over the squirrels. <laughs> He's literally the squirrel master. What does he do when I need help? He's like, summon. He's like, come here, squirrels. And the, bird, the, the animals of the forest just come to his aid. The squirrel master, man. 
But when I saw, when I saw this, when I saw, wait, what he's really like, not the, not the God from, from my little kid, childish, you know, paradigm, but when I saw the, the Jesus from Scripture and how he rolls, when he says, no, I'm actually going to the hardest and darkest place. That he's actually not just trying to build a little fort on the inside, on the defensive mode, this little light of mine. He's going to the enemy's camp with real power. Guys, we are not created for defense. We are created for offense. You are created for offense. He's actually going to the enemy's camp. So what he's saying is literally the doors on the hinges of the gates of hell cannot prevail as he's coming in there. They can't hold him back. He's coming down. This is the picture that I got. I got to preach this everywhere I go. He's like, coming. Imagine the doors at the gates of hell, the grotto of pan. He's like, no, I'm coming to your house. He's like, boom. The hinges on the doors of the gates of hell can't stop me. My love is too fierce for those that are trapped inside. The doors and the hinges of the gates of hell can't stop me. Boom, we're coming up in here. And he doesn't just have this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. But there's a real power in the name of Jesus. Yo, he's got a flamethrower when he's coming up in there. It's biblical. It's biblical. He's got fire in his eyes, people. Revelation 19, he's like, boom. (laughs) This little light of mine. (laughs) I'm going to let it shine. (laughs) Setting the captives free. (laughs) but here's the thing people look at me and they say man Christoph I don't know I don't know if that's biblical man I heard you did SBS that doesn't seem very inductive it sounds like you're inventing your own interpretation I said to them oh really let me take you to another passage so we look at (laughs) you oh maybe Christoph your interpretation is based on the lifestyle that you came out of and you're reading Jesus through your lens I think that's a little bit too hardcore buddy you need to turn it down a little bit you need to turn it down a little bit. No, literally, I have people coming tell me that. <laughs> you need to turn it down a little. So I said to him, I said, oh, really? Really? Oh, okay, really? So, so when, Jesus, when Jesus went into the temple, when Jesus went into the temple, right, I said to them, so then how do you think that he overturned the table of the money changers? How do you think that that went down? Do you, do you, think, do you think he was like, you think he was like, you think he was like this? He was like, Okay, okay, guys, we're going to turn over this table right now. Okay, guys, come over here. Bartholomew, could you grab this side? Okay. Um, yeah. Thaddeus, Thaddeus, come on, over here on this side. Okay, you grab that. Okay, guys, bend with your knees. Bend with your knees. Okay. <laughs> on the count of three, guys, here we go. One, two, and three. There we go. All right. Yo, when Jesus came up in there... He's like, my father's house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. Yo, here's the thing. When he came to the grotto of Pan, he's coming in there. He's like, this isn't Pan's grotto. I made this grotto. I'm taking my grotto back. Yo, he's like, yo, I made Nepal. I'm taking Nepal back. Yo, I made South Africa. I'm taking South Africa back. He came up in the temple. He said, yo, this is my father's house. You can't have it. 
You try to turn it into something else. But it was meant to be a house of prayer for all nations. Taking it back, stand up. This is what he died for. 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 Come on. Just begin to stir up your spirit right now. We didn't come here to be good speakers. We came here as spiritual arms dealers. It's already bought and paid for. And guess what? Guess what? Flamethrowers for everybody today. Flamethrowers for everybody. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hallelujah. Begin to stir it up. Jesus. 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 You are not sending us out there, God. Like the squirrel master, Jesus. <laughs> Lord, destroy that little childish version that we have of you. Destroy that neutered, emasculated version of you that we have in our minds. Jesus, would you come right now and begin to stir up in us faith, God, for what you want to do. The extension of your love. That your love is just too powerful to be held back. Jesus, you are not passive. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If we could just get some worship. I just want to pray for you guys. I feel like there's going to be an impartation for power and activation in sharing the gospel right now.